This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So whether you want to catch the game live or watch the latest blockbuster, they've got you covered. And there's no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back show started, because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back show, where intimacy is real. Well, today our topic is emotional connection with a transgender child. And we have a special guest. In fact, I'm not even going to say its name. Like, I'm not going to say its name right now until I when do a little bit of introduction. But we have a guest that most of you know. He's a comedian. Um, also, he has a general heart of that's like... Um, outstanding. And so, yes. Welcome, Dr. Kelly. Hi, good to see you, Dr. April. Yes, so excited yes. excited about today. I can hardly contain myself. Yes, definitely. So I just want to let our audience members know that on BBS Radio, we do have a membership if you're thinking about you like the type of topics we bring. And also on Patreon, we have a membership that's $5. Just search up Bringing Intimacy Back and that's that. The other thing that I would like to tell everyone is this month is Mental Health Month. And so our charity for the month has been the Mental Health America Month. Because, of course, as we know, um, mental health is a serious issue that um, doesn't get a lot of talk about, more talk these days. But if you're really struggling, um, check out Mental Health America. They help provide counseling service, education, resources. So visit um, mhnnational.org slash donate. All right, let's go get to the topic of today. Yes, yes. So do you know who we have coming in the show, Dr. Kelly? Oh, yes, I do. I do. <laughs> Colin Mockery. Yes. Of course, we yes. all know as uh, very humorous. And so um, when you look at the topic, emotional connections with a transgender child, it's like, okay, Let's dig into this. And so um, everybody like thinks of him as humorous. And we think of that as many individuals, like uh, the domain and what you do. But this is a serious topic. And so I'm looking forward to seeing somebody with such humor and uh, provide such depth and uh, about their own personal journey with a transgender child. So I am truly looking forward to this. Yes, yes. So if you guys are thinking, well, the name sounds familiar. Do I know it? Yes, you do. Colin Mockery, he's done a lot of improv work. And on whose line is it anyway? And I do think of with um, improv that that probably helps in dealing with family dynamics. And of course, has won multiple awards for his stand-up comedy. Um, he also produces and he also screenwrites and novel writing. And then I guess he has a most recently um, a movie coming out on how to ruin the holidays starring Colin and Amber Nash, which is a crowdfunding goal, How to Ruin Holidays, a feature-length Christmas movie that tells the story of a struggling connection of a comedian who reluctantly goes home for the holidays and must deal with her difficult family. Um, so I would like to welcome Colin Mockery to the stage. Hi, Colin. Nice it's a stage. I'm really nervous. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? I can't complain. You know, I mean, you know, there's a pandemic and everything, but, you know, things could still be worse. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. Um, so I know you're on here today talking about the family. And I'm curious, just on the topic of you're a busy man, how do you stay connected with your family? Um. 
I've um, made a conscious effort to um, schedule my family. Um, my, my work usually happens on the weekends when I'm touring. I try to keep it to the weekends so I have the rest of the week to be with my family. We always have uh, times that we sort of block off and have family holidays. Uh, I'm there, you know, they're a major part of my life. So I, I certainly don't want to uh, shut them out anyway. We're constantly talking. I, and with the technology today, it certainly makes it easy with things like FaceTime and Zoom to at least um, stay connected. You can still see the face of the person you're talking to rather than a scrambly little long distance um, party line. As, okay. So I'm a little old. I remember the old party line. Uh, but yeah, it, my family has always been uh, really important to me. I've always stressed that I love what I do, but that's my job. It's not my, my lifestyle. Right. I know you have Kinley, and we'll be discussing uh, your journey and uh, about Kinley today, but how many children do you have? We just have Kinley. Oh, wow. Stopped yeah. You had one perfect child, and you just stopped. I know. It worked out beautifully. Uh, my wife and I... Thank you so much like your wife. Yes. Well, she... Um, we... Well... I was going to say we met late in life, which makes it sound like we're in the 80s, but we were in our uh, 30s, I guess. And um, Deb was 37 when um, she gave birth to Kinley. And we tried for more. It didn't work out. And we just thought, you know what? We have a really good one. Why tempt fate? Let's stick with this. <laughs> and it worked out for us. Yes, yes. And so um, I love to sometimes even hear the story of what makes your wife so special to you. What's, yes. yes. Uh, um, okay. I'm, I'm glad we're starting with the simple questions. Um, here's the thing. The thing I love about Deb is she's never um, satisfied with who she is. And what I mean is um throughout her uh, throughout our life together there's been uh, obstacles that she immediately attacks and finds a way to make it better for example menopause not a happy time in people's lives right but she um w did all this research uh we would talk i've never given flowers so often in my life as during that period <laughs> But um, we're both Star Wars fans. And uh, one day she said to me, okay, you know that scene where Luke goes into the cave, sees Darth Vader, and they have a fight, and it turns out it's actually him? Whenever you come home and I say I'm in the cave, that means you go away. <laughs> just <laughs> go to another part of the house. It's nothing against you. It's just I'm not in the right space of mind. So um, things like that. And she is the communicator of the family. If there, if there is any kind of a problem, I tend to let things fester. She nips it in the bud and makes sure we talk about it and get things out in the open. Um, and she's just a uh, lovely. She's a very empathetic woman. She's an activist. She um, is a big family person. She's sort of the family glue that keeps. Um, the family together, she organizes all the events. Um, she is there for all the birthdays. She's, um, I mean, she's really everything I'm not. Uh, she's just amazing. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear about how authentic, you know, that, that she is and open. And yes, yeah. And then that relationship you guys have, which is amazing. Um, and it seems like it's a very intimate connection. So as we start this show off, and it's about intimacy, how do you define intimacy? Um, well, um, hmm. all right. I think uh, being intimate with someone is being, um, being in a space where you are comfortable enough to be vulnerable, um, to be open, um, to support uh, and just be be there for someone physically and emotionally. And, uh, you know, this is something I've learned through Deb over, over she's done a lot of work, God bless her. And um, through her, I've learned certainly to be much more open, to be more vulnerable, which has not only, I think, helped me in my um, 
my personal life, but also extend it to my uh, professional life. You know, improv can be a, a very intimate art in a way in that the people you're working with, if you've just met them, you have to build up an immediate trust and an immediate um, vulnerability to be open to everything that may come your way. So it, it's a very, um, I wish more people were intimate, don't you? <laughs> yes, it's <same. laughs> Yes, yes, and I love improv. Yes, definitely. I remember watching what the video that you had spoken about um, when you first heard about uh, your your daughter Kinley and um, her desire to uh, go through a transgender process. You said in improv there's a theory. Now I'm not going to say it just like you, but please guide me. And you said it's called yes and, which means you're handed something and then you have to trust and do something with it. Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's really that simple. And it's the most, you know, people always say, how, how do you improvise? It's so difficult. And it really isn't. It's just you have to do things you don't do in real life. Basically, that's listening to other people and doing the yes and, which is accepting their ideas and building on it. And it's the hardest thing for new improvisers to learn because I mean, and it just sounds so simple, but your, their immediate reaction is to go, Oh no, I have a better idea instead of accepting the idea and building and see where it goes. So yeah, through improv, I've learned to be certainly much more accepting and I've, I've learned not to be, um, not to have any preconceived ideas going into a situation, whether it's, going for a bank loan or meeting a new person or whatever, just going in, trying to be as open as I can to whatever the situation is. Wow. Did you, um, in the sense of raising your daughter, did that start immediately when you were, you know, when you have a kid and then you both are traveling and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we were um, a really great unit. And when Whose Line started happening for me, Deb said, you know what, I'm going to, uh, because she is um, an actress and improviser also, she hired me at Second City. That's how we met. And she said, you know what, I'm going to take a step back. Yeah. She said, I'm I'm taking a step back and just going to concentrate on Kinley. And um, which was amazing. I wish I could say I would have done the same thing if the tables were turned. I can't say that positively, but uh, she did. And I think Kinley's life was all the richer for it. And um, as I said, I would always consciously make efforts to make sure I was there as much as possible. But there was a period, especially at the beginning of Whose Line, where I was away a lot. And that was uh, really difficult. But as Kinley grew older, I got to be um, there much more. And we became a really strong, um, a really strong unit. Everybody has each other's back. Uh, the communication is always open, sometimes a little too open. Um, there were some things I'd rather not know about. But um, yeah, so I, I certainly um, really lucked out in that area. Okay. In your own family growing up, was there that openness too? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. Uh, <laughs> I would, uh, I would say no. My family was, uh, we were a, a Scottish family. I was born in Scotland. There, um, it was very old school. Um, there was never, you know, they never threw "I love yous" out there a lot. I mean, we knew we were loved, but it was, um, there was always sort of a barrier there, and that was. I mean, from my parents, and again, let me say, I had a great childhood, and they um, were lovely people, but I made a conscious effort that every day I would tell my child that I loved them, and really work at listening to them, because sometimes I felt in my own upbringing, that wasn't something that, that was done. So as we talk about the emotional connection with Kinley, can we uh, dig a little bit into the very first part of it? Now, of course, you're telling part of her story and your story and your journey, but um, what was your first emotional reaction when she came out to you? Uh, if that's the, like, instant. can you tell us about that initial? Yeah. You say I mean, come out, but what I mean is, is like, go back to that day when, when the journey began, when you were given that yes and. 
there was so many aspects to that day that had nothing to do with Kinley that made it. All right, here, here's what happened. I was uh, doing some shows in India. We flew back, my partner Brad Sherwood and I, we flew back to Boston. That night we did another show. The next day I went to LA because we were doing Who's Line. I was really not feeling great. I contacted the office and said, is there a doctor I could see? I'm just not feeling on top of it. I went to the doctor. He said, you're incredibly dehydrated. Gave me um, an IV drip. Then he said, has anyone ever mentioned the heart thing to you? And I went, no, <laughs> what would that be? So he took me into his other office, did an ultrasound, and he said, a couple of your ventricles are leaking. Oh. And I said, oh, and he said, you know what? You'll probably be fine. Don't worry about it unless something happens. And I went, like, Just a heart, heart attack? <laughs> or... yes. So, so that I'm, I'm driving home, and then I had an allergic reaction to um, the tape that held my IV in. So my body was totally covered in hives. And when I get home, Deb calls me and says, listen, is transitioning to a woman. And my first reaction was, I have holes in my heart. <laughs> and then as that sort of sunk in, the first thing I remember was fear, uh, fear for her safety. And um, because, uh, well, because of the world we live in, it's right. not the safest uh, thing in the world to be trans. And then it went from that to immediately into, um, my wife calls it emotional first responders, where we're there for her. Um, she, Kinley was great in that she sent us a lot of videos and articles so we could sort of um, uh, keep up with it. And it was an odd two week period because I was away and I felt really, uh, I immediately called her and, and talked to her. I told her I loved her and um, said, you know, when I come home, we'll obviously have a more of an in-depth talk. And then um, just walking in the door and seeing her, just going, oh, it's my kid. Um, there's nothing uh, different here. She's just about to wear a new coat. Hmm. That is such lovely how you put that. It's, there's nothing different. That's my, my kid. Yeah, I, I mean, she's, um, again, incredibly fortunate with the child that we had. She was incredibly easy as a baby. She was fun. She was curious, incredibly empathetic. Um, when new kids would come to school, the teachers would uh, take them to her because, um, you know, she would show them around. And she was, she's just a very loving person. She's more of an activist now. Um just really proud. I mean, all you ever really want is your kid to be uh, better than you. And she is above and beyond what I was at her age and uh, now. Was this a shock for you? Or did you see it coming over the... It was... Um, it, wa it wasn't really a shock. Um, you know, as I said, we've been very open. And... Um, she was always curious about sex. She would always, um, she told, oh, I'm trying to think of the um, sequence of events. I think the first thing she said was that she was bi. And we went, oh, okay, fine, whatever. And then we were going to Japan and um, she said, you know, when we're in Japan, I'd like to explore more of my feminine side. I like to maybe wear dresses and things like that. And Deb actually said, oh, um, are you considering um, changing your, your sex? And she said, oh, no, no, I just want to experiment with it. So we went to Japan and she was wearing, one of the best moments there was when we went to a store, Deb and Kinley came out of the dress room wearing the exact same dress. <laughs> How exciting. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then from there, it seemed like a natural progression. I mean, you're always a little, I don't even even know if shock is the right word, but you are taken right. back. But then you, um, you know, we quickly accepted it. How old, how old was she when she began the trans journey? 26, I want to say 26. So you from like zero to in the 20s, it was 20. When did you start calling uh, Kinley? Well, there's a whole other story there. Um, oh, I know it's a journey. It, is, you know, it, was, it was an incredible journey. It was, 
it's not, I mean, it's not odd. We were very open with each other. And yet she still found it difficult to approach us with this news. Right, of course. And when she did, it became a kind of a blurty thing. I'm transitioning. My name is now Hannah. And, and just, and um, our first thing was Hannah. Because my wife's best friend's dog's name was Hannah, who <laughs> humped. Her thing was she'd just hump everything. And <laughs> we said, did you, did you name yourself after Hannah the Humper? <laughs> well, I just always liked the name. And that was our biggest um, sort of stumbling block. And then she came up to us afterwards and went, you know what? I feel... Like, I want you to be a part of this. I felt, because I was so nervous, I just kind of blurted anything. Give me a list of names that you would like me to consider. And if I see oh. one I like, I'll take it. So, oh, um, yeah, you named, you had the first choice to name. Yeah, so, so we did. So, um, Deb is, has Irish backgrounds and Kinley is an Irish name. And there were a couple of names that she also liked, but she said, I... I don't feel I can have them because I don't look feminine enough. I don't think it would suit, suit me, but Kinley, I think, speaks to me. And uh, since then, she's been Kinley. Wow, that's amazing. That, like, like you said, that you had the chance to actually name your daughter. Oh, wow. Well, we're gonna yeah, I, um, I think that was one of the greatest gifts that she gave us during this to, um, to sort of uh, be, I know, comfortable and confident enough in her, herself and in us that this was a good decision. And it, I think ultimately it much better than Hannah. Nothing yeah. against Hannah. Yeah. I know a lot of lovely Hannahs. But I'm sure Wednesday doesn't like being called hump day either. But, <laughs> you know, uh, Alan, why your voice is so important today is because you are speaking as a father who now has a daughter. And there are so many people in this world who have children who are transitioning or going through sexual identity and all of that. And your greatest fear was for the safety. And for many people, it is not their great, it's not their first thought. And so what would you say to a father who has a child that is transitioning and desires to do so? How could you open a line of communication? Uh, uh, what would you tell them? I, a lot of people I've um, talked to, not only pe um, people whose children were transitioning, but also just coming out as gay or whatever, their first thing seems to be, what did I do wrong? And basically, it's convincing them, you did, this has really nothing to do with you. This is who they are and they are wanting to be their authentic self they want to be like all of us want to be we want to be the best we can happy in who we are and this is their step towards that and um my main advice always is to educate yourself so many i mean there's so many misconceptions and so so much of the ignorance just comes from not being informed and there's um, a lot of good stuff on the internet that you can find as as well as bad stuff. And you have to go through sometimes bad stuff to get the good stuff. But go to accredited people, go to people who have gone, who have transitioned and get their experience. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot out there from uh, parents of people who um, putting their experiences out there. I mean, I haven't actually looked because it was never something... Um, I actually thought about um, I, my our main concern was was Kinley and finding out more about this. But information, talking, um, we have um, someone a therapist who, since um, Kinley was small, um, starting she used to have horrible nightmares, and then she had a bit of a learning disability. Deb's gone to her, uh, I've gone to her, and we've gone to this. Um, therapist as a family and that helped with a lot of things don't be afraid to talk to people it's not um it's really not that unusual a thing it's happening more and more and again get the information talk to someone who knows what they're talking about 
um, after this happened, um, I mean, one of our big concerns, my wife's family is a very conservative family across the board. And so we thought, okay, here we go. What's going on? And to a person, um, they accepted immediately. And I realized it was because they knew Kinley. They knew the person she was. And it just, and because of that, they started learning. Although my mother still calls it the BLT community, she um, is starting to learn about it. And um, my wife's uh, mother, uh, who is 94 now, she heard about a trans man was talking at a, a local church about um, the experience. And she said, can we go? I just want to learn more about this. And I thought, man, if, if younger people, and that's pretty much almost everyone on the planet, um, had your sort of empathy for um, your family, wanting to learn and find out what it exactly is happening, um, yeah, I, I can't um, I can't stress enough how important knowledge and education is. Yeah, thank you definitely for sharing that um, powerful statement that when your child is going through a difficult time or a difficult or transition or whatever the case may be, as a parent, it's not about you. You got to be there for your kid, and then the importance of educating yourself about the topic. Yes, well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back. Um, I want to get more into how as parents, um, for us not to put ourselves into, you know, what did we do wrong and not to take on our own stuff and focus more on the kids at hand. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion. A vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the Vacation Counseling, Please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, Vacation Counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida. Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. So we have been talking with Colleen Marquis about being a parent and connecting with a child, actually with his adult child, who became a transgender into the community. And having that, one of the most powerful things he said was that when your child is going through um, a transition or, you know, going through something, we can't as parents always just say, what did I do wrong? You know, jump into the pot. How did you stop yourself from that? Or that was just straight knowledge. I never think I do anything wrong. So it's kind of perfect. Um, but I just, um, it, it didn't seem, it, it, it didn't seem like it was part of the process. I never thought um, whatever choices I do um, would affect my uh, child's sexual preference or uh, gender preference. It, it just wasn't a part of it. It was immediately, um, we just meet, immediately went into support mode and went um, for whatever Kinley needed at that moment. You know, I, the language is so unique. So um, how, how long did it take you to go from for 25 years or however many years? And then Kinley, do you ever catch yourself or like, how long did it take you to adjust to that? It took a little while. And that was um, 
that was um, horrific <laughs> because you, when I misgen would misgender her, you just immediately go, no. And you could see the kind of hurt in her eyes. And we had kind of a talk about it. And we, we said, look, we've known you for, you know, 26 years as this. We, we're going to need a little time to change over. And I would say uh, probably within four months, we were fine. Uh, I don't think we've, we may have had, a, and now it, it's just not um, a part of it at all. But it was consciously, um, I would, there were times I would talk very slowly about Tinley because I didn't want to um, give the wrong pronoun. Um, because it, it's, it is an important part of um, the transitioning is getting that pronoun right. And it, it, it can be so um, it can be so hurtful, even though it's not meant that way. It's just a constant reminder that they see me as this and I'm not this. Right. What's the best thing for you now that you have a daughter? Yeah, it's like the perfect thing. We've had a son for like yes. years we have a daughter. Um, just seeing her be happy is, and that was one of the things that I kind of immediately um, was stuck on when she first came out. I said, so were you just unhappy for that entire time? Because we, we never saw that. And she said, no, I had a lovely childhood. Something was just always off. And I never had the vocabulary to, or the, the mindset to figure out what that was. So just seeing her happy, uh, she's had all her surgeries now. She's filled with a confidence that I've, I've never seen in her before. Um, I think Deb is really excited about having a daughter because they, uh, there's a lot of like all the stereotypical, <laughs> I, I, you know, I hate to stereotype, but they, they love shopping. They love clothes. Um, and it's, um, it's not really that different because um, as a boy, she was still very, she had a lot of what we would call feminine traits. She was very open, very emotional, um, would talk to us, as I said, about anything. So it hasn't been that there hasn't been as much a transition. Um, the biggest transition for me actually had to do, I think, with my work. Um, when I um, sort of posted about Kinley after getting her permission, um, I got an email from a trans male in London, England, who runs a um, troupe there, an improv troupe. And he said, um, I just saw the article about your daughter. Uh, congratulations. Thank you for being such an ally. Can I ask you a big favor? Next time you're doing Who's Line, can you be very aware of the homophobic and transphobic things that you guys do? And I um, immediately, almost every horrible thing I ever did in that area came back to me. And I said, absolutely. And um, please stay on top of me if I uh, disappoint you in any way. And can I share this letter? So I shared it with all the improv troops that I've been involved with across the world. And we had this discussion about how, yeah, this is something people have been working towards the last little while in making it a safe place, no matter of gender, of sexual preference, of pronoun, of whatever. And that has been, um, I've noticed that in the last couple of years, a real, a real change in that there's been more respect uh, for people, no matter who they are, which is is wonderful. It used to just be an easy an easy joke, and you never, it was never. I I don't think it was ever um, intentionally meant to be hurtful. It was truly the definition of thoughtlessness. Of I just need to laugh here because it, well, I'm dying. You didn't realize I've just. Offended, uh, offended a whole segment of the population. Mm -hmm. So it's it was great to become aware of that. And it's made, I think, everyone um, more aware of 
even though we are coming up with things on the spot, there is still a responsibility to be uh, good humans. Thank you so much for even sharing that um, aspect. Yeah, because I, yeah, I didn't even realize how that would um, play out into your line of work. But mm-hmm. because of that, um, your work is much more culturally sensitive to all the yeah. different aspects, which is amazing. No, it's been great. Since then, there have been, you know, uh, trans group, improv groups showing up. And uh, there's a full spectrum of um, improvisers now, uh, which is, is great. It, it feels like everybody has, and I, and there's good mix of mad, like straight people will go see uh, a, a trans show and vice versa. There, there seems to be an intermingling, which is wonderful, which is what you want. You don't want to just, I don't want to play just to old white guys because nobody does really. <laughs> <laughs> nobody at all. You know, uh, the language is so difficult sometimes, all the pronouns and this and that. And, you know, I think that if people's intention are to be kind and open and learn and uh, be gracious, then, but it's kind of, or kind of reminds me of when somebody dies and some people don't even know what to say. They're like, uh, so they don't say anything at all. Did you have any people that, not to say names, but were you disappointed with some of how some of your friends or some people did respond because they may not have known what to say. So they said nothing. Yeah, there were some people who were definitely uncomfortable with it. And what I found um, odd, it was um, a lot of my uh, gay friends who for some reason um, felt very uncomfortable with it. Um, The thing I found amusing was everyone around Kinley's age and younger would say congratulations Everyone like our age would go, how are you doing? It's like, well, we're doing fine. Our our child's happy. It's all good. Yes. And again, it just comes down to um, educating. So we, you know, we've taken to educating. And of course, all our very close friends were incredibly supportive and they uh, all count Kinley as a a friend of theirs. So um, Kinley was lucky that she had an amazing support group amongst our peers, amongst her own peers. Um, so she she was very fortunate in that way because I know a lot of people um, going through that transition don't have that sy- support system. You can yeah. say, our child is alive. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what else? We haven't killed them. I mean, because the, the statistics for suicide and transgender is so, I don't even know. I mean, I can't even keep up with how high it is. And it just breaks my heart because... Um, how wonderful, though, back to your uh, to Deb's parents, that even though they were conservative, that they gave you that that like different response than what you were expecting. Yeah, it, it's um, I'm not a big optimist and a big uh, believer in humanity. <laughs> so okay. things like that um, just really. Um, think, oh, yeah, we do have a chance to go beyond the 25th century, say. And um, even, um, you know, on Twitter, which, of course, can be a nightmare, I've yeah. seen some stories of people going, I was a major homophobe, transphobe, and then uh, my first job, I was exposed to these people. And I realized, oh, they're they're people and they went through this change but they had sort of been indoctrinated by their family and i i thought it was great that they were able to do that were able to see oh all right so i've been misinformed up to this point all right i'm going to make a conscious effort at um erasing that past and going from here on Awesome. Yeah, we sometimes get questions from the um, audience, and we have a question from Phil. And Phil's um, question is, I guess, because our topic is dealing with emotional connections. How, as a husband and a father, can you create that emotional intimacy? Because his wife is always stating that he's not there for her emotionally, and he thinks this also relates down to his children. What suggestions would you give him? 
Okay. <laughs> I, first, let me just say I feel totally uh, underqualified to give any any information at all. Um, but um, for me, um, I I I'm going to say. Phil, I was probably the same way when I first got married. I mean, I love my wife beyond. Uh, she is an incredible person. But I also had years of being raised in a Scottish family where emotions were, um, you know, sort of repressed. And you have to learn um, to get those emotions out. And part of that is having trust in your partner and actually listening to them. And through listening, you get an emotional response to your partner, and then you can empathize and love or whatever um, the moment calls for. And your partner sees that. They see when you're taking an active part in their life, not just being a passive. Uh, and I, and not only during the, the uh, rough times in a marriage, during the good times, make sure that you're always on top of it because it's so easy to take it for granted and just let things slide. It's it's relationships are work, and um, it's a it's a good work. It's you know when you at, when you're at your job, your occupation, and you hit an obstacle, up, it, it, you sort of go, okay, what do I do to to get past this? And, and you're involved, and you want to solve it. The same thing you have to put in your relationships. Every little uh, problem or every big problem doesn't mean that's that's it. That's the end. It's you have to find a way to work through it. And usually you have to do it with the person um, that you love. And together you come to a solution. Find ways of compromise or whatever that gets you past that bump. Yeah, I love it. Oh, go on. I was just going to say how great that you're on the same page because so often couples divide, you know, mm -hmm. let's say after the loss of a child. And in some cases for some people that lose, like that are really have a difficult time with the losing, let's say losing, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, so grieving that loss or just rejecting altogether so that you if you one spouse feels different than the other and one parent feels differently, I'm sure that it's very divided. I don't know the research on it, but I don't even like to think about research. It, these are people, not statistics. And, so and how wonderful that, that you and Deb are. Yeah, I think that's an important part also of a relationship is having those talks about, especially with raising a child. Um, we, we had conversations about how our parenting style was going to be. You know, we weren't going to be incredibly strict, but we also were not going to let things slide. Our, um, okay, I'm going to sound really old now. Manners was a big thing for us. Um, and to that end, Kinley is one of the most polite people, always thanking, uh, always a please. Even when she is in the crabbiest mood, <laughs> she will still be, have a, you know, she will never forget her thank yous and pleases. And, um, Starting that off as a um, as a toddler, I, I think was really beneficial to her as a person. It taught her to um, respect other people because you know everybody is worthy of a please or a thank you. Uh, from you know the man uh, putting uh, taking your garbage and putting it in his truck to the person you're giving an order to at a restaurant, um, everyone deserves that moment of you acknowledging what they're doing for you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, we have another question for Mary. And Mary question is, um, since we're, I guess, talking about emotions, what do you do when you start to feel an emotion that you don't like? Um, she says it's hard for her, so she just stuffs it. But she knows that's not the best thing to do. So what would be your suggestion when you feel an emotion, you're in a situation and it's painful? Yes. Okay. Emotions. Uh, emotions. Yes, and emotions. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times you really have to um, study yourself and find out why you're feeling that emotion. Um, I know early in my career, um, I would get 
jealous of other actors who were doing well, who would get parts that even though I was wrong for and, and no universe would get, I'd still go, why would they get it? And um, it was a feeling I hate, I, I just hate it because I'm generally a very supportive person. And I realized it was because at that point, um, things were not going well in the job area. So rather than look into myself, I, I just <laughs> took it out on, okay, the world is screwing me over rather than, um, okay, I'm not giving my best at auditions. Why? This is what I have to do. I have to work a little more. Sometimes you have to accept the fact it has nothing to do with your talent. It's because the person uh, looks a certain way that is perfect for the character. It has nothing to do with you. So, and basically I found all the problems I would have with an emotion I didn't like were all due to me, all my problems. Something I was either stuffing down or hiding or feeling out of control. I, uh, I had no control over. And that's when I started using uh, more of the techniques of uh, improv, of mm. not um, going into, uh, not prejudging a situation, going with the flow, trying to yes and my way out of a bad emotion. Why am I feeling this? Talking to people. Um, communication with others because you you're not the only person who has gone through this who has emotions that sometimes they're almost embarrassed that i can't believe i just felt that that's a that's only what horrible people do but you know we're human we go through these moments um just find out what the the root cause is and sometimes you know it takes a lot of introspection to find oh yeah it's just i'm really petty at this moment because of whatever Look at this yeah. vulnerability and intimacy. I'm so grateful that we get to see this part of you. Thanks so much for sharing that. Oh, anytime. I'm uh, a, an open book. I, I mean, I mean, what's the alternative, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been incredibly fortunate in all aspects of my life. I'm making a living doing a job that didn't exist when I grew up. I met a beautiful woman uh, who I've married. I have a great daughter. So why not share those experiences and try to help, you know, others? And, and you know, I'm, I'm not the best at it, but I'll try. I have a question. Uh, it's not even from a listener. It's just me. Are you a, I know it's a bizarre question, but I've been known for worse. Are you a third born? What's no, your birth order? I'm the oldest. The oldest. Mm -hmm. Does that does that throw what what does that mean? No, <laughs> worse when a doctor says that's interesting. I know I'm I know I'm not supposed to say mm, thank you. No, uh it's because uh third borns are known for humor. Uh and I wasn't sure if you were a first or a third, so I wanted to just ask. Because no. uh third borns are known as the more humorous one. But when you said that you were somewhat jaded and not an optimist, I thought I wondered if you used um improv as a sublimation. You know, it's an acceptable form of it's an acceptable outlet. Yeah, it is. I mean I mean, um you could probably just uh spend hours on me because I don't really understand. I mean, I'm a very uh shy person, very quiet. Our, our neighbors would go, what, how is he on television? <laughs> and <laughs> my wife calls the guy on whose line the other, because it's so not me. Um, but in that area, I feel safe. I know what I'm doing. I'm with surrounded by people I trust and know that uh, they have my back. And so it's the best place in the world for me, aside from my home with my family. So... Um, yeah, improv has helped me uh, through a lot. Awesome. That's just amazing. Yeah, where did you get your humor from? I'm not sure. I mean, when I when I was growing up, I just had this image of me watching television all the time, and it was all comedies. Okay. Movies, and uh, it seemed like it was a real golden age, like the Dick Van Dyke show and the Carol Burnett show and all the uh, Monty Python, SCTV. They all, um, they just fascinated me and made me laugh and made me sort of in a way, okay, what are they doing that's making me laugh? And how are they doing? And uh, real studying and stealing a lot of their, their stuff to, be, to become a comedian. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, Colin, Marco, you have totally inspired me. Um, yeah, I used to love improv when I was younger, and I recently was researching. I found a little improv thing down in um, Naples, and I was like, you know, I need to check that out just to um, as something as a stress reliever and stuff. So, yes, yes, I'm definitely now definitely going to check that out. I'll um, go down yes, there. Yes, as, as a hobby. I'll go down, I'll go down there. Okay, yes, definitely. I would suggest everyone should take an improv class because it's, um, I mean, even if you're not going to become a professional improviser, it's a great skill to have. You feel, you build your confidence in front of people. You learn how to talk to uh, groups. Um, I've been doing a show with a hypnotist where he'll hypnotize audience members and then I do improv with them. And there was one woman afterwards I was talking to her and she was the star of our show that night. She said, I suffer from like crippling social anxiety. I have no idea why I volunteered, but for that hour, I've never felt better in my life. I'm going to take improv classes. And I thought, oh, great. So it is kind of an essential service. <laughs> definitely. Well, definitely. We thank you so much for being on the show. You are welcome back anytime. It's been amazing and so informative and um, so much information, especially for parents out there. And um, of them being able to accept, like you said, and sometimes it's just not about them, yeah. you know, and being able to like you. And I really do um, admire also the advice that you gave the um, gentleman who asked the question was about sometimes it's just if you actively listen, you can actually feel, you know, and have that emotion. Exactly. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much again for being on the show. Yes. Sorry for the phone. <laughs> oh, okay, that's okay. Well, thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you. And uh, best to you and Deb and Kinley. Oh, thank you. Lovely meeting you both. Yes. Well, we um, have some upcoming shows that I just want to uh, mention. Um, June 3rd, we have Ashley Cobb, sex influencer and educator. Melody Ann Streety is coming on June 10th. Dominie Drew, What Men Want in Dating and Intimacy on June 17th. And Leonard Sturdivant, The Pursuit of Vertical Intimacy. Well, that's an interesting topic. <laughs> Can't wait. And don't forget to follow us on social media if you want to be a part of the Bringing Intimacy Back community. Request to join the Facebook group, our Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and, of course, our Patreon. Yes. This has been the Bringing Intimacy Back show. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next week.